0: Welcome in to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan Athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for The Freak. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host and colleague, Reiner Saban. He's our Big Ten insider. We've also got sports editor and podcast producer, Andrew Burkle, with us as well, who always helps us get things going. Uh, Time of taping, this is Wednesday afternoon, just before 2 p.m. on November 1st. It feels more important than ever that we are timestamping these things because stories are coming in left and right. Uh, and of course that's what we're here for. We're here to get all to all the latest surrounding Michigan football, uh, on and off the field, uh, more off the field, uh, in the past 10 days, frankly, than on the field. Uh, but before we do, did you guys get to do any bye week weekend anything? Uh, did you enjoy it, Reiner?
1: Yeah. I mean, I got a little time away, uh, spent part of the weekend, uh, uh, watching the Michigan State game, which uh, was not a not a fun exercise <laughs> in uh, football spectating, I would say uh, that was a that was kind of a ugly ugly game uh, overall, and just not something you would enjoy typically as a football fan, regardless of who you were rooting for. Uh, but uh, it was somewhat of a painful exercise. But yeah, I managed to get through it, and then uh, had a pleasant Sunday where football really wasn't the priority.
2: By week for the Michigan Raiders, not the bye week for the Editors. So I was still working, watching that uh, incredibly painful game. Uh, as Ryder mentioned, so you know, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, it's football season. Now, who can complain about sitting and watching football?
0: Right, but also with the, for you as an editor, uh, for on a Sunday with no Lions, too. Right, this will be consecutive Sundays with no Lions. I mean, it's not because the Lions played Monday; they took they beat the Raiders, and then uh, it's a bye week this week. So. A little, a little bit. Uh, a
2: little bit, you know? yeah. I mean, and also, no Michigan means half the amount of, of, of work on Saturday there. So, yeah, I mean, still definitely slower than your typical Saturday. So, yeah, I got a little
0: Right, right, right. Well, just because Michigan did not play on Saturday, as Andrew just alluded to, does not mean uh, Michigan has not been in the headlines. Far from it. Uh, I think you could say uh, the epicenter of, of the football world has sort, has sort of been Ann Arbor this last week uh, with. The the sign stealing investigation, uh, Connor Stallions, uh, and all the layers and tentacles that are now evolving out of that. Um, That's what we're talking about today. Um, Michigan plays Purdue. They're favored by 32 and a half. They're going to win somewhere around that much. We'll decide if we think more or less uh, in the second segment with the picks. But until then, uh, this is going to be about big picture. This is going to be about this active investigation. Uh, maybe a little bit the first investigation, uh, and just sort of how that how they play together because they do in the sense of Jim Harbaugh, his perception, uh, his his uh, relationship with with the board, with the athletic directors, with the fans. Um, we might not get to everything, but we're trying to. And what we will certainly do is talk about the latest. And what that is right now is um, there there uh, new evidence came out yesterday. Uh, that Central Michigan University is investigating a person of interest on the sideline from their season-opening game against Michigan State University. Uh, photos and videos have surfaced, uh, and the person who they are investigating is rumored to be Connor Stallions, Michigan's former or sus- suspended uh, re- recruiting analyst staffer. Um, Reiner, this would this would take this to yet even another level. Uh, sh- should it prove to be statics. I think, is that a good place to start? Is there anywhere else you want to go?
1: No, I, I think that that's fair. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, strange story. I mean, and um, it's interesting that Central Michigan wasn't able to immediately confirm or deny that uh, information, which leads you to believe that there may be something to it uh, based on uh, the comments even that Jim McElwain made after the uh, game against Northern Illinois on uh, Wednesday night. Um, you know, as far as like, they're, they're looking into it, he referred to this person as the sign stealing guy. And so, um, it was, uh, again, it makes you, it leads you to believe that there might be some, some truth to what, what this is, which would again, add a, another chapter to this bizarre story where, you know, maybe this is going beyond just, you know, Michigan games. I mean, influencing other, other, uh, you know, aspects of college football, other teams and such, and uh it then expands the scope of what this uh whole scandal might entail. And so I think it's uh it's not it's not good for Michigan, again that this is uh potentially larger than what we even initially thought it was.
0: It certainly does lead to a lot of questions, as you said, Reiner, and, and one of them, as as you were saying, I don't know if it's as much a question as much as it is a thought uh, you would think, should that have been someone on central Michigan staff, like you said, it he, it looks like a male, would be pretty quickly be able to be identified who that was and, and, and why, why they were there. Um, so you just, that that, that's certainly not helping the optics of the situation. And and this is something else we're navigating, right? Reiner, because we're, you don't want to be like, you don't want to not report on something, right? Like we were writing about that story and looking into that story the night before and in the morning, but it was just photos of a guy who looked like a guy, right? But once central Michigan was investigating, then it's like, okay, now this is more than just optics. And that's part of the unusual nature of this story, Reiner. So last night, Tuesday, we were all in Beckler Hall waiting to, to speak to players. And this is just my, this is my second season on the Michigan beat. But you've been in college athletics and professional athletics for more than a decade, I think 15 plus years. Uh, we were talking to other reporters from other places who've covered Michigan going on 10 years, some in other cases decades, right? And everybody said, I think pretty much everybody, I, don't, I didn't hear anybody who didn't say, it, no one's ever quite seen anything like this, which is why even the conversation around it can be difficult uh, un- <clears throat> for us, right? When when you're actually attached to something, and you're not some nameless person on Twitter that can just say anything and do anything, right? And so I think that nuance is is part of the is part of the discussion and how quickly huh. this is developing.
1: Well, right? it, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, there's there's a lot of unknown. I mean, there there are allegations uh, now. I mean, the allegations seem to be backed up by uh, seriously. Uh, pointed reporting that would you know lead you to draw conclusions uh, um, that that something was afoot you know here I mean and so it's uh, but it's also difficult I mean again as a journalist I mean you're trying to you know uh, you know look at it from the standpoint of where you know Michigan is eight and O they're ranked number two in the country at number three in the in the playoff rankings right now and uh, like they look, they look the part of a championship team, but then you have this, you know, subplot that's in the background. That's pretty, uh, influential as far as like how you view the team itself. And so you can't ignore what's, what's going on here. And yet at the same token, you're trying to cover a team, uh, as objectively as you can based on the results that have already been, uh, seen. Uh, and it's it's an incredibly difficult position. And I've been very conflicted about how, how to go about it myself. I mean, it's, you know, and uh, I think a lot of people are wrestling with that, uh, how they should view Michigan and whether this is really something that is affecting how uh, Michigan should be uh, evaluated going forward.
0: Well, your question about perception, uh, which you asked Jesse Minter, which I thought was a great question, which uh, I know I know you're, you're talking about right now uh, as well, I think is really going to, you're right, is going to, there are two different lenses people are sort of, I don't know about looking at, well, there's certainly different lenses people are looking at this through, but there are also some different schools of thought emerging, I guess, let me explain. Um, so there was a poll in The Athletic um, that, that polled 50 anonymous coaches around the country asking them about sort of one to five their level of concern uh, related to this scandal. Uh, The average score, five being, this is very serious, one being nothing to see here, right? Uh, The average score was 4.2. All but two of the coaches rated it at three or higher, right? And 23 of them, that's 23 out of 50, so nearly half, gave it a full five out of five. So it's one thing for Deion Sanders or someone else to not want to break the coaching fraternity rules, right. Of going against your guy or someone like coach. I mean, there, there is a brotherhood in the coaching, unless, I mean, if you're rivals, you have some beef, of course, that's, that's separate, but uh, just like quarterbacks, aren't going to take digs at other quarterbacks. um, and and different coaches you heard publicly say like, well, Uh, it's one thing to like, like, like someone can, can know what I'm going to do. They still got to stop it. Right. Well, it's like, okay, well, how about you try that? Right. Go give someone your playbook for a half and see how it works for you. Uh, that's where, that's where I, what what I have, have long thought about. And now when coaches are pulled anonymously, right, which of course, um, it's why they're going to be like, yeah, this is a big deal now also because they're pulled anonymously they're going you have to take it with a little grain of salt right they may try to jack it up and be like yeah like look over there and so i but this does seem to be a pretty big deal Uh, but any way you measure it a very very big
1: absolutely it strikes at the fundamentals of the game i mean the the Game of football comes down to play calling and execution. That's how you evaluate the coaches. Like, are they good at teaching the fundamentals? Uh, Well, usually some coaches is usually good at one or the other. I mean, if they're good at both, then you've got a real extremely good coach. And so a guy who can, uh, again, teach the fundamentals well, can teach execution. You know, a lot of people say, you, you know, it doesn't matter what play you call. If you execute it really well, it's good. But I mean, a big part of it is playing calling. I mean, that's what we we talk about with Kyle Shanahan and Ben Johnson with the Lions. Now, I mean, it's like you know, play calling is really important. So if you have a you have a cheat sheet or you have a idea of what's coming, I mean, that has a huge effect on the game. And so, yes, I think it's a, a it's an extremely big deal as far as how it relates to how you watch football and you know uh, uh, you know contextualize what. What is going on? So, yeah, those are the two fundamental prongs in football to it, me. It, right.
0: If play I mean, calling doesn't matter, right, why is Cade McNamara at Iowa saying something like when he's not throwing to to wide receivers at all? He's like, look, I'm running the play that's called, right? The, the yeah. whole fo- football is what's called. It is all about scheming and and responding yeah. and the chess match of what the other team is doing and how you respond to it, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it strikes yeah. at the fundamental part of the game. Yeah. And just to
2: chime in here as well. The other thing I think we have to keep in mind with this story is how much it's changed since Deion Sanders' comments of, of when it first broke. You know, when this first story first came out, it you know initial it, initial reactions were like, "Oh, NCA coming after Harbaugh again." You know, signed ceiling, like it's just one of those gray areas. But then you keep peeling back the onion, <clears> one layer at a time. One, you know, Stallions, in the field of Michigan State, uh, the, the budget that was part of the Wall Street Journal uh, report. it it just keeps getting more and more, uh, uh, I guess, serious would be the right word. And you don't see as many coaches coming to defend the uh, Michigan and the science stealing anymore as when it first broke. And I think that's important to keep in mind because as the three of us and other journalists who have been following it, like this isn't just the science stealing scandal. You kind of hear that from people outside of the media who are like, oh, yeah, Michigan was stealing science. Everyone's doing it. Well, you know, that's that's only a part of the story. And it keeps getting deeper and deeper. You know what I mean?
0: And I think if you look at the level of this and and the reaction of coaches around around I mean going back to this athletic poll which is good which was a good job by them Uh, obviously they do a lot of great work as well it speaks to the nature of this is not everywhere right like like (laughs) coaches are not saying things are an average of 4.2 out of five levels serious about any ticky tack this or that like let's say I mean let's not even leave the program Let's ask about the very first violations. I would wager, should the same 50 coaches be polled about Michigan's first, the first NCAA investigation, right? Like uh, an analyst serving in an on-field capacity or say, and like even well, back to like it, well, A lot or, of people,
1: or, yeah, I mean, speaking of the analysts, a lot of people uh, say, well, the analysts coach everywhere. So like, I mean, that's a common uh, discussion point right. that, that yeah. that and there's an abuse of that across the board. I mean, and this, Michigan is not the only is yeah, not the only right.
0: program to talk to contact recruits during a dead period. It's against the rules. It's taboo, but they are not the only one to do it. However, they do have more of a microscope on them under anything. Like so, so even if there's truth to the fact that Michigan has more of a microscope to to this, and even if there is truth to the fact that there are programs all over the nation who are doing different unscrupulous things, that's not the point. Like that's missing the mark I, in my in my estimation. Uh, if you're if you are serious about your program and the, and the way it should be operating within the, the 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 morals of the game, and this would go be true for any team, uh, and, and that's why the the questions of how you move forward are serious. I mean, you can only hope, like, and really really hope, if you're Michigan, that somehow as few people I I don't know how something to this magnitude that has these layers would be kept secret within a staff right um that's it's or or with with it within everyone uh from the staff so it's really picking apart who knew and you you just gotta hope it's as few people as
1: possible I mean, I mean if you're Michigan if you're Michigan yes right I mean right yeah. I mean yes yeah I mean uh, and, and, no, and and I think everyone
0: I think all fans of college football should hope for that. Of course, Ohio State fans are going to hope that Jim Harbaugh at it and Michigan State. You know what I mean? But this is not good for the sport. And and and, and, and I I would just I would just hate to see um a team I mean a team we cover, a team that has enjoyed a remarkable turnaround uh that ha- that has I mean really enjoy- enjoyed a renaissance. I I mean, how could you not be and just, just the essence of the game. How could you not be upset, just on a fundamental level, if the game that we all know and love and think of as as a relief as something that is fair? If 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 there were layers and knowledge of it not being fair, that's upsetting yeah.
1: to me. I, sure. mean, I mean, if, yeah, if there absolutely. is not
0: knowledge of it,
1: then I mean, we watch we watch we we watch sports because we want to see competition played out uh, with everybody abiding by the same rules and. You know that we we feel like every team has a fair shot, and that's that's you know that's what you know that's why we watch college football. I mean, we, we even the idea that you know you can have a program like you know Alabama get upset by Northern Illinois or whatever. I mean, it's just the idea that like on any given day, you know that everybody's got a fair shot. And if, you know, it it also strikes to the idea that like, again, I mean, you know, Michigan is a program that, you know, has advantages over a lot of teams and if they have to go to this, I mean, you know, that's also kind of a, a, would annoy a lot of fans, I think too. I mean that, that, you know, that a program of this magnitude would have to resort to these kind of tactics if that's the case. Now, I mean, the perception problem I think with Michigan is pretty, pretty big and it could could end up you know going on and, and getting worse as it goes on i mean now the playoff committee right now this is, says they're not really considering the sign doing uh uh allegations into their whole calculus as far as determining these teams it's uh you know, CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said, Michigan has played well all season. The fact of the matter is no one knows what happened. We're dealing right now, the NCAA is dealing right now with allegations only. The committee makes its judgments based on what happened on the field. And clearly, Michigan has a dominant team. Yes, I think, you know, that's, that's true. I don't know, uh, you know, how much that's going to be able to continue if, if the public feels like this team, you know, their, their results are somewhat invalidated. Now the, the the good thing for Michigan is that they they have Penn State and Ohio State to prove that. And uh, you you made that point before we got on this podcast that you know it'll probably be settled on the field uh, ultimately. And if Michigan shows that they can beat both of these teams, then you know they'll they'll determine. But whether that's enough to sway the masses and even the coaching establishment in the sport, whether Michigan should be you know punished you know for the for what has gone on before then, assuming that the, these allegations are true, then it's uh that's another subject too. So I don't know how, how it's all going to play out. I do wonder if public pressure is going to start mounting though uh, and is going to influence the committee uh, going forward because I don't think it's something they can necessarily ignore.
0: Well, a few things. One, rem- it's a 13-person committee. Remember, sure. one of those 13 voices is Ward Manuel, right. Michigan's athletic director, right? So they have someone certainly on their side on the inside track so um for for what that's worth michigan's voice will Mm -hmm. always be heard in that discussion that's one two the cfp is separate from the ncaa and like all big money organizations they are going to be thinking about bottom dollar bottom line too. and they have said they have said look as you just read we're dealing with what's on the field we're gonna and and it's Pretty par for the course. It's how you would expect someone, uh, something like this, would act. Now, if this is a different brand, uh, I wonder. And I'm not saying it's right. I do think as you get closer, you should you shouldn't want there to have to be a retroactive asterisk. However, you need. I mean, if if if, I mean, the other option is not letting Michigan. Like, should Michigan qualify for that? I, I just couldn't see a scenario where Michigan's not allowed to play unless more comes out than has come out now well, it, um just because it's it's so quick nobody like the ncaa moves at a glacial pace in absolutely in yeah i just
1: but but my but you know again this is a larger question as like if they aren't punished you know assuming these again allegations are true you know then what does that say to the rest of the sport i mean is this okay i mean you know or are are are, are coach is just we'll, going to be like well you know we're we're just going to do whatever we feel like uh going forward and like because we know that we're not going to be punished in real time it'll just happen retro well, I, th-
0: I think coaches yeah. have always known that you're yeah. that no one's ever been punished in real time that has always been right it, but, but, but i do it, think you're right that yeah. pressure is going to get turned up and it comes from people like like earlier this what is this morning you will have been yeah. yesterday or earlier when people are listening to this but paul feinbaum right um who kind of surprisingly at least initially seemed to go to bat for for jim harbaugh in this case yeah. and i remember we we talked about it we yeah. were like that that was kind of just just given the nature of their relationship not that yeah. it's odd that someone might not think like I mean, anyone can have their own opinion of this matter right now it does seem to be that people who wear one color have one thought, people who wear another color have another thought. But there are cross some lines that cross. But when people like the I mean, is Paul Feinbaum the biggest college football voice? Just I mean maybe he's personality. On, sure. I mean he's really one of he, them, yeah. He's sure. on the short list, right? Yeah, with
1: him, Herb Street, uh, you know I don't know if he
0: said him by name, but he's like Klatt, yeah, yeah I mean, but Tony—he yeah. was calling out Tony Petiti and the Big mm-hmm. Ten conference about what they're going to do about it. And when that happens, I—you think they got to make at least at least a statement or or, or something soon, just um, as yeah. far as how they're going to handle it.
1: And and, and if there is any punishment, it's likely will be coming from the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they're the only ones who probably can do anything. Uh, you know, as far as Michigan's concerned, I mean. Yeah, uh, I, I just you know wonder what what goes into that decision process. I mean, obviously, they're they kind of have to do some investigating themselves to to find the the bottom, you know the basis of it. But I mean, you're also your constituency includes Michigan and 13 other Big Ten schools, and so is, is there going to be pressure from the you know the, the the vast majority of the conference to do something? I mean, that's the question. And You know, does does want to weigh that against the idea of having two potential Big Ten teams in the college football playoff, which would be good for the conference? It's there's a lot of lot of things to weigh on his end. You know, as far as how much he really wants to push forward with this.
0: But you have to be beyond a shadow of a doubt positive of everything, right? And and just think of, I mean, as as we've talked to, I don't know. Sometimes I forget what we've said on air and off air, but the players. Think about how unfair it is to the players on this team, right. perception, perception or otherwise, right? right. Um, and or, and should there be punished? Uh, and I mean, I mean, Roman Wilson, he said, like like he said it. We talked we had talked to him on Monday. He said it's always been something um, since he's been here uh, in 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 2020. And I mean, there has been a there have been a lot of storylines around this program. I mean, going back that far. I mean, just look at the last 12 months, right? Uh, I mean, we we we've enumerated them many times. On this podcast. And I thought it was interesting because what he was saying is look, people have always been trying to come for us, right? There's always been naysayers and doubters and attackers. It has brought us closer together. We are the Buffalo waiting for the storm to pass. He gave us that analogy, that visual, how Michigan sort of come together and all those things. But what I also heard him say is that it is always something and that there is constantly something going on around this program, some of which is. And 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 like I said earlier, maybe there is a target on their back, and maybe they're held to a different standard. Like even if those things are true, if you're also doing things that are against the rules, then you then there then there's no longer a leg to stand on. And I think you've made the point before, Jim Harbaugh. Like eventually, you've just lost the benefit of the doubt. Sure. But it, it, but that's the public perception part, which fortunately for Michigan doesn't matter. And that's all they've said. It's like look. Outside is outside. Obviously, as a human, like I asked Grant Newsom today, the tight ends coach, as like a person, does it affect you? It's what we've tried to ask them on. And he's like, yeah, like eventually it does. But he's like, luckily, we like we know we've all got each other. And and that's what they're that's what they have to hold on to. And uh, they they've said it to a man. And to this point, every distraction before this, uh, whether it's a quarterback battle or an uh, an inappropriate tweet or social media or coach firing or an investigation, they have said we are focused on one thing and they've been focused on one thing.
1: I but the, I, mean, but I, I, I disagree though. I mean, like, you know, in some of the ways that they, they, they portray it as like, they're being attacked. I think a lot of this stuff is self-inflicted. I mean, some all is. of it, all, all of it, I think is much of it. I mean, pretty much all of it. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all of it is self-inflicted. I mean, you know, obviously if you're, if you're, staying within the boundaries of the, you're not going to be subjected to these kind of things, but there's a guy regardless of whether they knew that's been put your program in a compromised situation right now. And uh, you know, as it's alleged and you know, currently he's been suspended by you, you know, your staff or something. So uh, so a- as they're investigating, whether this is uh, indeed happened, but I mean, again, it's like, it, it, this I mean, the the reports are pretty, you know, uh, sensational in a lot of ways. But again, it's not coming from I mean, the media didn't drum this up or anything or these outside, you know, haters didn't drum it up. It's it's, you know, coming from within the program, potentially, you know, where that, you know, this this, you know, potential uh you know, sign stealing ring was hatched. I mean, it's like, it's uh, and a person that's at the center of it is directly tied to your program, was a diehard Michigan fan before that. And, you know, it's kind of worked his way up from a volunteer to now, you know, a full-time staff member. And so, uh, you know, it has Michigan all the way through and through.
0: And Frank and I mean, to, to bring it full circle back to the Central Michigan and Michigan State part of the investigation, it seems like it can't be both ways, right? Like today we heard from Grant Newsom about how tight the coaching staff is, right? About how close-knit yeah. everyone is, how there's not factions, right? How everybody, there's no one he can't go to and have a conversation with. If that's the case... And, and also at the same time inside Chemmbeler Hall and different things I mean there have been video surfacing of Connor stallions right next to Jesse Minter talking on sidelines seemingly or interacting right there's a, there are there are murals all over schmmbeckler Hall celebrating the past few years they redid the digs and it looks really cool inside there obviously one of them is at Ohio State it's a big picture it's the whole defense and two of the front and center pick I mean they're, they're one I'll just focus on one one person in the middle of all the key defensive players from last year is Connor Stallions, and he's holding up his shirt and has a turnover bus shirt on. And I mean, he's in the middle of a tur- of I don't know if it was a turnover picture of some key picture with a lot of big people at Ohio State last year as well, right? Um, and so the reason I'm saying that is he he's he's certainly more important than he was initially played. I think that's clear, but also there's a level of uh, plausible deniability should he have been orchestrating this thing and sending other people to other places if that turns out to be him physically on the sideline at central versus michigan state as as serious as this already was for me that ch- that that chain i mean i don't know it's just it's the next level of 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 internal knowledge that should have been there This is not someone sending someone to do something at another place. This is him physically going somewhere the night before the game. Should this, should it turn out
1: to be him? That needs to be clear. Right, right. And that would be, it's, uh, again, it's a bizarre story. And it's it's a hard one to cover because, again, right now there's allegations and there's no uh, proof from a third party that's just, laid out there for everybody to see and 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 judge on their own on on his own merits uh you know again it's this is the problem with the NCAA too it's not transparent the investigative process is not transparent it's not a you know uh a legal uh process that you know uh how, how we're used to it so there's no like formal charges, you don't get to see a, a police document, you know. With, well, Michigan you know,
0: hasn't I mean, Michigan hasn't even been presented with a number yeah, of allegations. And, and so, so, so the 90-day uh, window hasn't even started.
1: Yeah, so it's just so hard to do. But, I mean, it's just, I mean, the, again, I mean, it becomes a perception issue, again, of what, what, what you believe and what the optics are. And I, in this sport, optics are everything. I mean, we don't des- determine uh, who gets to play for the championship. Uh, where humans are involved. I mean, this is not done on the field. I mean, it's not the NFL where you win your division and where you, you know, earn a wild card, you know, spot uh, and go to the playoffs and then, you know, fight it out to the end. You, you know, you're chosen to can be You're ranked, you know, the rankings matter. I mean, nobody cares about NFL rankings, you know, uh, during the season because it has no bearing on what how it's going to play out. But it does, you know, factor in in college football. And, and so – to me perception is everything and that's where i think michigan is a little bit you know in, in a in a difficult spot right now because i mean but, there again, are t- mm-hmm. but
0: given that th- that yeah. is a difficult aspect given that in other sports there's no option it's just in right. or out but yeah. the two things michigan has going for it which you alluded to earlier which we talked about offline one penn state and ohio state are still ahead of them yeah. that is and, and and there is no chance that that those games will be compromised um i mean beyond to what level things have already been compromised, right? But but certainly there is ample time for the for, their, for teams to change their science, to do things. All eyes will be on Michigan, right? One would think those are very even fair games as we hope to be, right? So if you're Michigan, you have to you leave no doubt. You have to leave no doubt in those games um, just to start helping your perception, right? But the other thing that's going for them the college football play we've said it a couple times the college football pl- playoff committee has already planted its flag on its perception of Michigan and that is the perception that matters
1: yes for now and i'm just saying like i mean i'm i'm curious to see you know again as as it goes on you know where we are where where we're at because i mean again you know the athletic article came out today yeah you know, i mean within the industry within itself i mean the college football world i mean uh i don't know i mean it's just the question is, like, yeah, uh, what do you do here if, if these, you know, allegations are substantiated? I mean, it's it's going to be a problem because, I mean, like, you know, and and it should increase the motivation to get to the bottom of it. It should push them to want to wanna go really deep into this immediately and <clears> find out <throat> as much as they can. I don't think that, I, don't, I mean, I don't think for the health of the game that they can't, that, that anybody can just sit back and just allow the process to play out as it, is. well, the process needs to be expedited. In, in, right. in, in and,
0: and and that goes for every layer of this, which also yeah. goes for whatever that outside, outside investigation is that, that initially presented this to the NCAA. We do need to know who that is. It yeah, is I, I agree. Like, it's not the main, it's not the main question, but it's a question. And it is a question that we, that we need answered because of the Pandora's box. It could open. Should should it have been one of these conspiracy theories, Ohio State, what have you? Yeah, right, right. Uh, not to just suggest- and, so, and so I'm saying just to play fair. If we want every, if we we need to get questions to, answered I, for everything.
1: I agree. I agree. Not, not,
0: yeah, not suggesting that you that, that you wouldn't, but it's just. Oh yeah, and and everyone should want that, right? It's one of the things that drives me crazy. Not to get Sean Windsor on everybody and get philosophical. Um, but it's just, it's just a greater societal thing. Um, let's let truth be truth, whatever it is, right, sure. and then act accordingly. That's just that's just, I I that's just my person who I am personally, and I th- I think that's just how how it should be. Um, yeah. f- f- final thoughts, Reiner.
1: I mean, just in general. I mean, I, I'm again, I'm curious to see how this is going to evolve further, and uh, you know how how. Michigan, you know, responds to it going forward. I mean, again, we're not going to see probably much from the Purdue game as far as, you know, what Michigan... uh, Obviously, it's going to be the week after against Penn State that we'll really see how Michigan deals with this, especially in their first road game. Uh, You know, well, it's technically their second road game since this thing broke, but the first one, since uh, this really has become mushroomed into a, a whole new thing. And it's also... Against their by far their most challenging competition yet. So I mean, like uh, I think you know we're not gonna really get the full understanding of how Michigan is going to handle this whole thing until until that week. and it's just it's such an important week on so many levels for a lot of different reasons.
0: Yep. Yep. And we'll get there. And uh, one of the games we will talk about briefly is Michigan Purdue. Uh, we'll bring in Andrew Burkle as well uh, to make some of the picks. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done that, so don't go away. This is Tail Yes. All right, everybody, the gang's all here again. Uh, I'm hoping the bye week uh, did not destroy just just what was some red-hot momentum from from yours truly that I know everybody cares about greatly. Uh, Andrew, uh, catch everybody up, if you will, where we're at, and then uh, take us away.
2: Well, coming into the last time we did picks, Tony was below 500 uh, two times ago, and then he got one game above 500, and now he is three games above 500. So, can confirm Tony has been out a little bit of a year, uh, as much as we hate to say it. Uh Reiner's still sitting one game uh below 513 13, 14, and four. And then I'm in a dead square tie with Tony myself. So uh lots lots on the line here. And uh let's start with the, the game that everyone on this podcast will care about the most. Michigan hosting Purdue. Uh Reiner, you hinted at uh, your opinions on this game, but uh who do you think might get away with this one here?
1: Yeah, Andrew. Uh I mean, this just looks like a game that Michigan's going to be able to take care of easily. I mean, Purdue uh, is uh, two and six. They don't have a really high high-powered offense. New coaching staff. I mean, they they're not. They look like a a team that's far inferior to Michigan. Uh, and the way that Michigan's taking care of inferior teams this year doesn't give me much hope that the Boilermakers can keep it close. I mean, they have this reputation, obviously, as the spoiler makers. That was formed under the Jeff Brom era. This is a new era under Ryan Walters. Uh, I don't know why that would necessarily carry over to this. So I just uh, don't have much faith that again that the Boilmakers can make this game close. And Michigan is just you know firing on all cylinders with the way that they're playing. I mean the forty nine to nothing victory over Michigan State uh, again was more evidence that they've uh, they they're just kind of bulldozing of opponents uh i mean each of the big 10 games they've uh, uh the margin of victory has been bigger and bigger uh you know starting with ruckers and ending with michigan state so who knows i mean maybe it'll continue with purdue where they they beat them by even more points than uh 49 which is uh which is now the high water mark for for michigan this year
0: could be not, uh, not out of the question. Uh, I'm definitely taking Michigan. Uh, the concern here is Purdue does have a little bit of a different look of an offense, right? Uh, Hudson card to transfer from Texas in sure. a quarterback. Um, he can throw, he can throw it around a, a bit. And, um, I mean, they just—it's—it's it's a similar Purdue offense, like pass first offense, as opposed to a lot of the teams Michigan's seen so far this year. I mean, Nebraska, Minnesota, rutgers their are uh, ball control teams, run teams. Like Nebraska was sort of an option. Minnesota, I mean, for seven for the whole PJ Flack era has been run first. Um, I, I, it's just it, that's been a lot of the style of uh, all the. Other than Maryland, or actually Michigan hasn't even seen Maryland yet. That was last year. So pretty much every single team, uh, I mean, Michigan State presented no no uh, problem at all. Uh, I mean, you don't even know if they were trying to pass or run first. <laughs> so uh, so I, I will take Michigan to, uh, especially with everything going on, uh, they're going to be looking to prove a lot of statements. So maybe... That passing game, quick passing game, and the tempo does catch Michigan off guard a little bit early. We've seen tempo has given Michigan problems uh, over the last couple of years. But I think once they make a few adjustments, uh, something like 49-10, so Michigan cover.
2: I don't like the group thing here, but, I mean, Jim Harbaugh gave us the playbook against Michigan State, didn't he? I mean, if it would have been for some shippy plays on Michigan State, you know, Spencer Brown, I mean, at the, the head of the, the Michigan guy in the like, ground there. Who knows what that score could have been? Forty-nine to zero. This Michigan team, amidst all the scandals and everything that, that have come out with the sign stealing, they are playing angry and uh, and have shown that they they are very comfortable running up the score uh, the last few weeks here. So certainly not any less reason over the last few days for Michigan to try to prove people wrong. The sign stealing didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, if anything, there's more reason now. So I'm thinking Michigan uh, not only to cover but you know even by more than that thirty-two. Tony, it's like that one game we played. How high would the margin have to be for you to be willing to bet on Purdue? I mean, it, would have to, it would have to start with a four. 39 and a half. Yeah, it would have to start half. with like, a four. And that that that's sometimes, you know, as college football gamblers lose money week after week, you're like, why did I not just bet on Michigan playing Purdue or Ohio State playing so-and-so or Alabama playing, you know, X? It's just like, most of the time they end up winning these, these huge blowout games, so I'm rolling with Michigan as well. Uh, let's go to a rivalry matchup here. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Sooners coming off a loss to Kansas last week. Uh, they were undefeated prior. Six points uh, six-point favorites over Oklahoma State. Uh Tony, do you got in this one?
0: Yeah, you know, uh similar in line to Oklahoma, Texas, uh, one of those one of those rivalry games. I took uh Texas in that one, who was favored by a touchdown. It did not. Uh, bode well for me so you would think rivalry game take the point no 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 i am not learning my lesson i will again take the favorites, uh even if this is the last time the bedlam's on the schedule oklahoma scheduled to go to the sec uh but oklahoma state has only beat oklahoma outright in stillwater two times in the last 20 years i believe i saw so i'm not too worried. i'm so there it's just how much are you going to cover by oklahoma's uh I mean, their college football playoff chances, excuse me, not dead yet, but certainly took a hit last week with the loss to Kansas. Everybody's down on Oklahoma. Also Oklahoma State, winners of four straight. Uh, Former Michigan, he wasn't even the backup last year. He was third string, sometimes fourth, Alan Bowman. Uh, He's actually leading the – he's Oklahoma State's quarterback. Uh, Doing decently this year, four straight wins. But uh, Oklahoma, high-scoring offense, uh, bounce back. I think it's right on that not that six number, but they win by seven uh, and seal that with a late pick.
1: Yeah, I think Oklahoma State's going to challenge uh, OU. I mean, again, this is this is uh, a very heated rivalry, and I don't think Oklahoma State's too thrilled with the idea. And certainly, Mike Gundy, who's been in the middle of this rivalry for for decades now, uh, is thrilled with uh, OU going to the. SEC, and I think there's some deep-seated th- you know passions as far as this is concerned. So there'll be extra motivation on OSU's part. Plus, they you know they've won four in a row. It Seems like they've gotten things together. Offense is clicking. Uh, you know, I do trust Brent Venables. You know, to come up with a pretty good scheme. He generally does uh, with OU. Um, uh, and so I think it's going to be a close game, but I don't think uh, OU wins it by. Uh, more than six or six or six points a, at sell, so I, I'm going with Oklahoma State here.
2: Oklahoma won back to you back nail know, butters against the aforementioned Texas game by telling them, uh, and then U S uh, UCF after that uh, inferior opponent they probably should have won uh, by more against, and then barely lost to Kansas, who you know has shown they're a pretty good team this year. But I'm betting on the bounce back week for Oklahoma a la Notre Dame against USC after losing to Louisville. You see this happen in college football a lot where a team plays a close game. They play with fire, they play with fire, they play with fire, play with fire catches up to them, uh, and then they, they have it all on the line the next week. So uh, I just think that Oklahoma is is the better team uh, with a lot to play for and uh, a lot on the line here. So I'm going with the centers in this one. All right, now on to a team we seem to talk about every week, Tony, Tony's favorite, USC Trojans. I'll let you start with this one. Uh, three-point underdogs at home against Washington, who still undefeated, but not even in the top five of uh, like the first college football playoff rankings, which I'm just now realizing we didn't even mention hardly uh, on this week's show uh, <laughs> compared with all the stallion talk. So, uh, Tony, Washington three-point fa- uh, favorites at USC. Yeah.
0: Well, there's still a month left to talk about the CFP, right? And we, And we talked about it a little because Michigan was in that top four and they are at three. Um, that's the relevant as far as us uh, talk, because we just needed to know how much the, obviously the resume, like if they're undefeated, they're of course going to be in. The question is all the, all the other stuff that said USC. I mean, they, look, they held Cal to 49 last week. I was super impressed, uh, to hold the high power Cal golden bears offense below the 50 mark. I mean, (laughs) there's just a lot of improvement going on in Southern California. You love to see it. It's just pathetic. Uh, I mean, I'm, I I wish that they had lost the game just to continue to be right, but the 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 march to four or five losses continues, uh, and they pick up another one uh, this week certainly by more than three points. Now I am concerned. You would think this spread would be a little bigger than three. Uh, however, I wonder if USC because because people think of Caleb Williams because they think of big brand and they are at home. I mean. It's a decent team in some, in some regards. Like I can't act like they're total bathwater, um, but Washington is much is much better. Uh, and just I mean, we'll air raid that like into oblivion. Um, uh, Roman Duda is going for 150 and at least two touchdowns. Michael Penix, his Heisman campaign gets back on track, uh, and it will be a two horse race between him and JJ McCarthy from here on out. Uh, Washington by fourteen.
1: Yeah. I don't have much faith in USC's defense. I mean, they gave up 49 against Cal, Uh, you know, uh, Washington is the ninth best scoring offense in the country averaging more than 40 points. You know, who knows? Washington probably pick its number against USC and Alex Grinch. And, and, uh, um, and it's just, you know, one of those things where you just wonder like what, what, where where is USC's defense? Like, how do they expect to to hold down Michael Penix and that offense? And I just don't see where that where it comes from. And so I think, you know, you've been down on USC since the beginning of the season, Tony. we much hated them from the get go, and you've you've turned out to be very much right. I mean, they're as as fraudulent of a a, a top level program as you can. I mean, and that defense is such a liability. Uh, and going against Washington, which I saw in person against Michigan State, just do whatever they want, and uh, which also has a very civ like defense, uh, although it's been somewhat better this year. Um, yeah, I just what, what makes me think USC could ever stop, you know, Penix, Kalen DeBoer, that offense. I don't, I don't know, and so I, I'm going to go with uh, Washington here. Yeah, and quickly
0: it's not a Caleb Williams thing. Caleb Williams is awesome and should be the number one pick. It's uh it's an everything else thing.
1: No well, defense is just terrible. I mean, it's yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge liability. I mean, he has to constantly overcome the defensive liabilities that they have. I mean, and and keep them from you know blowing leads or whatever. I mean, it's just like you know, no no lead is safe with, with USC. Right.
2: I mean, when people scared true? off by that by that Stanford game that much with Washington almost losing like I just can't figure out why this spread would only be three. I guess I mean yeah. two weeks ago they lost or they won Washington won 15 to 7 against Arizona State then a misleading 42 to 33 win against Stanford but I, I just I don't see it. how are they going to stop Washington? USD has virtually no home field advantage you look at the policy it's like 70% filled every single time. I just I can't figure out why the spread is only three, um, which, of course, probably means that USC is, is going to win in a blowout. That's still, the scary I'm part. Take, But still, I'm taking Washington. Uh, sometimes you just have to trust what you've seen with your eyes so far and, and not overthink it. But if it does happen, you and I will be sitting here next week telling you, being like, I knew it. I knew it. That spread was funky. We should have stayed away from it. So uh, we'll see. Let's move on to probably the game of the week here. LSU... At Alabama, these two, you know, have just dogfight year in year out. Uh, last few years hasn't seemed to be to the same same level there, which it kind of peaked with the Joe Burrow LSU team against the Tua Alabama team. It seems like it been down a little bit in the last few years since, but mainly because of LSU, really. Uh, but uh, three point underdogs at Bama, Reiner,
1: we got in this matchup? match. Oh. I will argue, Andrew, that the game last year was pretty darn good. I mean, it came down yeah. to the. It was, two was a big game. It was a great yeah. game. I like, yeah, I mean,
2: that was. That was I mean, I that didn't feel like it had the same stakes.
1: It didn't have the same
2: stakes at this
1: point. Well, I mean, it, it ended up choosing deciding the SEC West last year. Um, you know, LSU ended up going to the play Georgia in the, in the title game and basically essentially okay, well, knocked was Alabama out. Yeah. If it, if it Alabama, if it wasn't Alabama
0: was, was number five years.
1: in the country, too, in that yeah. game. Yeah, and so I, bet, you know, again, you know, it's uh, the, again the SEC West has long been, you know, like the Big Ten East. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one of those you know divisions that basically settles some some aspect of college football in the season. Anyway, I think Alabama, obviously, they've won six in a row. Uh, really, have recovered from the Texas game, uh, the South Florida game. The offense has come along. The defense looks much better. Um, and, you know, again, there's the revenge factor here. Sabin's pretty good, uh, in these kind of revenge moments, uh, you know, finding a way to do exact, you know, whatever retribution, <laughs> uh, as needed, I guess, in the year after they, they lose a game to an opponent. So because it's at home in Tuscaloosa and, you know, Alabama is going to be extra motivated, I think, in the same way that oh, I feel like Oklahoma state, I, is going to be motivated against Oklahoma. I feel like Alabama is going to have that same fire and I think they're going to come out pretty strong against LSU and, uh, and, and, and win this game.
0: Well, the fighting Reiner Sabins are, have won six straight, as he mentioned. So they're streaking and you need to, uh, we need, we need to, I know i I give Reiner a hard time for always picking Alabama because he covered Alabama. It's a good theory. It, and, and, and like, had you all if you pick Alabama in every game like there's there are a few teams in any sport that you'd rather ride or die with every game if you are planting your flag there and I am just kidding uh and I'm picking Alabama too um they've put they've they have played much better uh it's at home uh all the all the reasons you you said um last year uh I mean that overtime loss uh on the two on the two point conversion is just you you don't you don't forget those things uh I mean, for Nick Saban, how how sweet would it be? Like, I mean, I was as dumb as anyone after South Florida. I was like, you know, like, is it is he done? Right? Like, is this one eventually even he's done? Uh, very much no, they're not done. Uh, and In fact,
1: th- this might be his best coaching job. I've you seen. could argue. I don't, I don't think I don't think this team is prime time by any means. uh, uh I'm, not, wait, not, wait till we are close wait, to gotta... Mitch, Alabama. This, this team isn't anywhere yeah. close to that. But yeah. you know, he's he's gotten some the defense is much better than it was last year. And, uh, and things are starting to come together offensively for them.
0: Yeah. If, if he, if, uh, if they are able to win this game this week, uh, just the, the recovery, uh, like the finding it, um, it's so hard for someone like a Nick Saban or in, in basketball, like a Tom Izzo to win any coach of the year award, because it's like, you can't be coach of the year. Right. It's like water's wet, you know, yes. like obviously Nick Saban's is the best. Coach. However, I think you really like him and Mike Norvell from Florida State and then Kaylin DeBoer uh, and then maybe Dan Lanning in Oregon, although now they've all, like I think that's the short list of of, of, of Coach of the Year. Ryan Day uh, still still on it as well, but um, he's – Saban should be on it with a win. Um, just – w- it would be a great job. So let's wrap this. Uh, I got Alabama. Andrew? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going with LSU in this one. Uh, Jane Daniels. Nikki has the second-highest QBR in the country behind J.J. McCarthy. So uh, LSU's offense has been rolling. Last four games, 62, 48, 49, and 49. And I, just, I don't think that this Alabama team can can, can score with LSU, uh, even though LSU's defense is questionable, to, to say the least. Um, I've just seen that Alabama offense look too sloppy at times. And when you're going against a team who can post those kind of offensive scores, those kind of numbers, uh, you, you can't make mistakes, otherwise you're going to fall too far behind. So uh, I'm taking the three points. It could become a lot like last year's game that I seemingly undervalued uh, and come right down to the last score. But I'll take the three points that one.
0: Well, in fairness, comparing it to Tua against Joe Burrow, yeah, you know, I mean nothing, they're, they're, nothing, they're, they're, nothing's gonna live, nothing's gonna live up to that. Yeah. I mean, like that could so easily be the AFC Championship game this year, right? Yeah, okay? yeah, like, like so, so. So your your point is well taken, but. Just because it's fallen off doesn't mean it's not still damn good. Because Bama LSU well, I guess
2: because you know LSU fell off for two years there with Coach Coach O and and then, and then they kind of just like went down a little bit. And I I never thought LSU had a, a national championship caliber team last year, and even Alabama it seemed questionable for a while. As good as Bryce Young was, so I guess it just didn't. When I was watching that game, it wasn't like okay, whoever wins this is going to the national title game. Like it felt like for multiple years there with LSU Alabama.
0: Right. And this year, the two teams had three losses combined in September, right? Like it felt like the the wind was taken out of the sails early. They both since hit their stride, though. And that's what we want, right? Like you want them playing good ball in November. Uh, And so we will see uh, how it all shakes out next week. when 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 we talk next, we'll get back to more of a normal recording schedule. It was supposed to be sort of an off week last week with the bye week. Obviously, we had to address certain things. We then pushed back we didn't do sunday's episode because we had just recorded on friday you you get the point next week plan business as usual of course if things are we will be fluid should that uh be necessitated because we did also not even mention anything about a jim harbaugh contract uh and we're going to keep not mentioning it because there's discussion around it it's moved hasn't happened yet don't be surprised if it does i think that's what i have to say on that uh Brian, is there anything to add before we say goodbye?
1: No, I think you covered it. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's a very fluid situation, but uh, you know, who who knows where it's going to lead? But uh, we're knee deep in it, and it's (laughs) isn't going away. That's for sure. Uh, It's going to be here for the next few months at least. So uh, strap in, everybody.
0: Yep, and we'll we'll be here to talk about it. So. Until then, uh, thanks uh, to everyone. Thanks to Andrew for uh, always or helping us, I mean, <laughs> really leading the show uh, behind the scenes, at first and foremost, and then joining us on it and providing all this insight. Thanks to Reiner, as always. Um, our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery-Nichols, executive editor on Jeanette Delgado. Uh, sports editor, Kirkland Crawford. Anyone watching the video version of this, if you saw me mute my camera and take a phone call, it was uh, Kirk, who uh, we could not do anything without. I literally feel as if I could not wake up in the morning and get dressed <laughs> without calling Kirk first. Uh, we I don't nearly give him enough kudos for everything he does for us. Uh, and then audio engineer, Robin Chan. And of course, Andrew Burkle, who I already thanked. So thanks, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Uh, the next time we talk, the clocks will have changed, and uh, the real depression will have set in. So I'll be happy <laughs> until then. Uh, take care. This is Hal. Yes.